we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a moment as we have part one of what is shaping up to be quite the lengthy year in preview series. We're going to be previewing the entire film year in a couple mm-hmm. different ways. This is going to be the first step of that. Mike is going to tell you about how that will go down today. Uh, but we also have, you know, some minor news to get to here, Mike, at the start of the show before we dive into this episode. Uh, the first of which next year's Oscars is going to be held on February 27th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like we'll be delaying it this much or that much, which is a good thing. And then just this one tiny little note that won't really have any impact on awards season yet whatsoever. Uh, the Golden Globes are dead. Yeah, it's just a little footnote, but uh, <laughs> the great prophet Scott Feinberg predicted this on our show a month ago, Mike. So I feel is... like I've been like touting that episode nonstop, and for reason, it's not self promotion. It's just that look how amazing Scott is. <laughs> <laughs> we laid back, he spoke, and he told us things that eventually happened, right. and that now they're happening. A hundred percent true. So the HFPA. <laughs> They've had a couple studios pull out, say they won't be participating within the Golden Globes this year. Then they had people like Tom Cruise give back their Golden Globe Awards. They had a couple other A-listers give them kind of admonishments and and saying, uh, we're not going to be participating. I don't want to be involved with the Golden Globes or the HFPA. And then finally, NBC dropped the hammer uh, yesterday, Monday, May 10th here, saying that they will not be broadcasting the Golden Globe Awards for this year, the 2022 Golden Globes Awards. There is hope that enough can be done within the halls of the HFPA to kind of rectify themselves, which clearly not enough has been done as of yet for anyone's liking, uh, that there there's hope that the HFPA can rectify themselves and get the awards back on broadcast for 2023, according to the article from Variety. But that is no sure thing. There's all kinds of lawyers involved right now to see if there's any sorts of contracts being breached. But I saw the number was NBC paying upwards of $60 million to have the rights to broadcast the Golden Globes that the HFPA is not now going to be missing out on uh if you followed us if you've listened to us throughout award season this isn't shocking news like mike just said we had scott feinberg the hollywood reporters uh expert on who kind of alluded to this coming and coming down the pipeline it finally is here and happening but we've been covering the drama about the hfpa for months now and i think i speak for both of us mike when i say good job nbc right yeah, good job, NBC. They finally held the HFPA accountable mm-hmm. because they were dragging their feet on all of these changes. They basically they gave themselves their own de- deadline, right, of a month. Which always works. <laughs> yeah, and then they said, we're going to have, all right, these big announcements. And basically they said, we're going to have 20 new members and over 18 months we'll implement X, Y, and Z. And everybody's like, no, we got these PR firms and they're helping us. <laughs> and everybody's like, uh, no, it's time for a boycott conga line, folks. Yeah. And here we go. Tom Cruise, you lead it. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, I mean, could things swing in the other direction? It is a Hollywood institution. God damn it. I don't mm-hmm. know. And maybe, maybe it comes back. It, come, it resurrects again. We've seen that happen as well in the past if they, if they do you know, uh, flagellate themselves now. That's the right word, right? That wasn't the dirty word. (laughs) I have honestly no idea. (laughs) But they could come back. Yeah, we know the lifeblood of the Golden Glows or the HFPA, right? It's it's perks and money. And if they don't have broadcast, if they're not on TV, their importance goes down, their finances go down, and their need to be wooed and wined and dined goes down. So they're dead right now, Mike. I mean, unless something brings them back. I mean, unless... 
Yeah, the imperatives in the industry bring them back. Uh, everybody's talking about which award show will replace them. We kind of asked, we pushed Scott on that. We asked him about it, and he had a different answer. Go listen to that episode where the Academy probably wants something different than what you'd expect. They don't want a replacement. They want their show to have more suspense. Mm-hmm. They want less of a precursor award season. So this might be playing into the the ultimately the Academy's hands and, and doing something good for Oscar night. At the end of the day, so I, I don't know. This this definitely shakes things up for us, though, and 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 next award season for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all falls out, and if there is going to be a show. I, I personally, I don't know that I would recommend or even want to see a new award show step up. And I, I like you just said, I don't know that the Academy is going to necessarily be sticking their neck out to try and save any other entity, awards entity. You know what's what's bad for award season in general may be good for the Academy Awards in this case. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll be on top of it as more fallout and news breaks from this. We will dedicate more show time to it. But all right, Michael, uh, that little tidbit of information aside, let's talk about this part one of the year in preview as all good year in preview shows happen. This one comes out in Mm mid-May. So uh, what are we talking about as far as part one here goes today? Well, we're going to go studio by studio and go over their slates. We're going to try and do this conversationally while also presenting hundreds of films. And (laughs) I I see no uh, errors in our judgment here in in this format. I'm sure this is going to go swimmingly. I'm sure the audience is never going to lose their place. I'm sure that uh, this is going to flow beautifully and uh, no issues. Yes. Richard... What could possibly happen? Uh, yeah, so we're going to do this as a conversation. We will go studio by studio. We'll see if we have any roadblocks that come up and we get tongue-tied. But let's start, Michael, uh, with the biggest studio out there, at least the one that carried the most noms for this past award season. And go listen to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I did a huge uh, State of the Union, Netflix State of the Union episode with Andrew where we previewed and went into great detail on their entire slate as of like a month and a half ago. Uh, we talked about everything pre the Sony deal, which is basically a first look deal, a five-year first look deal. They're going to make some projects for streaming. They're going to make some projects that uh, that go to theaters first, etc., etc. They're going to do more with animation than they've been doing. We already saw the Mitchells versus the Machines get added. That was kind of separate but a a bit of a precursor so i think rather than go over all that stuff again mike we're kind of just going to throw questions at each other here and say hey you know what what are you most intrigued about in the overall slate what do you think is most oscary maybe those are two separate questions Mm. but where do you want to start with this big list from netflix I'm really excited about the remake of The Guilty, and I'm not no. usually one that's a fan of remaking these international features so soon after they just hit the airwaves. I believe the original Guilty from uh, Germany was released, I want to say 2018, 2017, 2018. It awesome movie. Something, it got high, that's part of the reason why I am excited about seeing this. I mean, it got high marks, the original one did, all throughout. It was in the conversation. I remember we were talking about it during that Oscar season as the potential uh, nominee. It did not make the field there at the Academy Awards, but you got a great cast attached to this one. It's an Antoine Fuqua film. Jake Gyllenhaal, I don't know that he's, in Oscar mode completely. Like, I don't feel like he's in Oscar Beatty territory yet, but he's certainly a guy that's the last couple of years had his name 
in every conversation and he's only got the one Oscar nom on his resume. This seems like something that could be very Oscar friendly. Netflix does have a problem like they made this year as well. So we certainly saw it last year and Ryan McQuaid hit on this when we talked to him. Netflix may have this problem where they have too many things that mm-hmm. they want to have chase Oscars. I don't know that this is one that's going to be necessarily an Oscar chase, but I think it could be regardless of whether or not it has awards legs. I'm just excited to see the adaptation of such a great film come to life with this cast. Riley Keogh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Antoine Fuqua behind the camera there. Yeah, this could hit the spot regardless, like in terms of we always crave like an awesome thriller. We know the story right. has the goods uh, from, from from the original. Was it a Danish movie now? I, I can't look it up. I have too many tabs open as it is. But uh, <laughs> look, I, 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 enjoy, I really enjoyed the original film. I think it's on Hulu right now, but it had this gimmick to it, like buried, buried, uh, Locke, Birdman, the upcoming Oxygen, uh, Alejandra uh, Aja, the uh, Melanie Laurent film coming out on Netflix Netflix next week, where you basically have a camera locked on the central character for the whole film. Now, with this cast, Mike, unless they're all voices on a phone, I don't like I don't know how, how you book this cast and and follow the same gimmick with it, with Antoine right. Fuqua and Jake Gyllenhaal here. But regardless, it's going to be focused on that central character, and he's going to be moving about the nine one one operator. Uh, headquarters there to do his thing and to and it's it's just an intriguing story so yeah it's 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 gonna work you would think the question is yeah i mean if they pulled the gimmick off with jake gyllenhaal then then you're looking at best actor territory you right right I, i i would agree i mean there's Netflix has an intriguing slate, no doubt. I mean, that kind of is as obvious, I feel. But I, I just that one was one that stuck out to me. Mike, what about you? What are you most intrigued by here with Netflix? The most intrigued is the harder they fall. And this is a Western. This is an old school Western of a guy is locked up and he seeks revenge for the person they who murdered his parents and he gets out of jail and he goes after him. <laughs> but this is really cool because this is... This reminds me of Sorry uh, to Bother You, where you have this lifelong musician turned filmmaker. So the Bullets, uh, James Samuel, is making his directorial debut. This is a script from uh, Boaz Yakin from Remember the Titans, wrote one Mm. of our favorite sports movies of the last few decades. But look at this cast. Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Lakeith Stanfield, Delroy Lindo, and Regina King. This is a black western I can't wait to see this, and the fact that it's on top ten lists, it's fourth on Clayton Davis's Oscars list right now. So this is this is exciting, the fact that we get a movie on Netflix that's a, an original IP from a debut that's getting this amount of buzz. Westerns in general is something we haven't covered. I mean, they just haven't been made right. as far as award season fodder lately, so it's that is something that's that's kind of piquing my interest there as well. I can definitely see the allure of, of that. I wonder... Are we going to be entering this new horse-like territory here where we already have the concrete <laughs> cowboy out on Netflix? Now we're going to have this one, The Heart of They Fall, coming out on Netflix. Don't I, assume. Let's, let's tread lightly, everyone, huh? Don't assume it's going to be horse-centric. Remember, there are movies about and not about horses. And we established this in the last episode, Michael. Yes, that's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. Do you have another film nef- uh, on the Netflix slate you're intrigued about? It's kind of boring because I feel like a lot of people are intrigued by it. We just had our kind of first looks at it that came out recently on social media. But don't look up the Adam McKay movie, yeah. Le- Leo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, just strictly because those two are such high caliber actors. I'd like to see them share the screen. And it's it's an intriguing enough 
plot. I mean, it's uh, here's the uh, synopsis on IMDb, I believe. It tells the story of two low-level astronomers who must go on giant media tour to warn humankind of an approaching comet that will destroy planet Earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, Adam McKay walks the line between what's comedy and what's drama anyway. So that seems to be right in the wheelhouse of what we could expect from an Adam McKay movie. But again, if it's Leo and Jennifer Lawrence, who we haven't seen on screen in quite some yeah. time, she's kind of taking a break. It's going to be fun to see her back in the saddle. And I would think with that kind of talent attached, that's got to be something Netflix has their eye on in terms of ones they're sure they're going to have to push for awards this upcoming year. Yeah, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Himesh Patel, Ron Perlman, Chris Evans, Mark Rylance, Rob Morgan. Oh, my God. The cast. Uh, Ariana Grande, just for good measure. Tyler (laughs) Perry. Tyler Perry's in that. So, yeah, this is a cast that I can't see just being in the other guys, right? I mean, yeah, you see big-name casts in Adam McKay comedies, pure comedies. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing with those two leads being who they are and being in the Oscars conversation every year they have a film and Adam McKay being on the the late run he's been on with the big short and vice and on the TV side with succession like this just just seems to me like he's got the pedigree he's ready for the breakout but I read something that says you know from Adam McQuay where it's a quote he's like the tone is somewhere in between the big short and the other guys so that worries me a little bit, though, Mike. I mean, what does that, that mean? I don't know what it means. <laughs> the other guys is like a farce, and right. the big short is a, a Michael Lewis book, and never the twain shall meet. So I don't understand <laughs> where he's going with that. Like it could, if he fudged up the uh, the tone, we could have an issue, though. And that's a weird beard on DiCaprio. It is a weird. He's more unrecognizable in that one than he is in the look from the Killers of the Flower Moon, where the New York Post, I think, was trolling all of us, saying how unrecognizable. Oh, look, he's in a sweater. Uh, So, yeah, it it is a weird beard. I agree. It's a unique look for Leo. And Leo's been leaning more Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's been getting more into, like, more comedic-laced endeavors with his Oscar grabs. So I could... It'd be intriguing to see him in a full-fledged Adam McKay comedy. I would hope it'd be more akin to, like, Vice than the other guys. Right. Anchorman. (laughs) All right. uh, We could run through the rest of this slate real uh, quicker. The Power of the Dog is director Jane Campion's, like, comeback film. She is, of course, the Oscar winner from The Piano. Okay, this is back in 1993, Mike, so bone up on your oscar history with the piano there there's too uh, many too many piano movies it's not to be confused with the other oscar winning movie the pianist too many piano movies all right we're getting near this mike one horse list of hate for things people need to stop dramatizing as the center of their films <laughs> harvey Keitel's penis is also in the piano and <laughs> that i'll never forget that shit oh my god i can't believe i said that out loud but that was just a weird if you're going to have a dick shot in a movie, can you not have that one? It's the weirdest. It's you prefer just... it to be Roma? Roma. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody would. Of course they would. I don't think Har- there's no way Harvey Keitel goes forward in life and doesn't think about that moment. And like, eh, I, should, I wish I had that one back. <laughs> if... <laughs> the list of regrets on the career CV of Harvey Keitel. Well, to make things even weirder, I mean, if you wanted, if you were clamoring for that Doctor Strange guy who gave Dick Cheney his new heart in Vice 
pick struggle mm-hmm. for power over a farm. That seems to be what the power of the dog is going to give us. Yeah, Benedict, this is Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons there. Benedict Cumberbatch versus Thomas and McKenzie, though, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and Kirsten he's, against, Dunst. he's against Plemons' wife, I yeah, guess, I'm is going to be the, uh, the, the struggle there. Francis Conroy's the matriarch. A man wages war against his brother's new wife. Kirsten Dunst is probably his wife. Just, uh, just you know, juggling ages, I guess. I don't know. It's it's interesting, and maybe it's Jesse Plemons versus Kirsten Dunst. I, I have no idea, but I, I'm guessing uh, Cumberbatch versus Mackenzie. The the battle we always, we never knew we always wanted. I hope he can use his powers from Doctor Strange in that battle. That'd be that'd be fun. Nice little <laughs> twist there. Sure, Mike, you got you got another one? <laughs> tick, Tick, Boom is from Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's going to be another musical, in case you thought In the Heights was the only musical we're getting from him And Vivo, he's got three. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a busy guy working with the biggest studios as well. This has Andrew Garfield, Vanessa Hudgens, Bradley Whitford. Uh, an inspiring theater composer endures a midlife crisis as he approaches 30, God forbid, and does not feel close to his dream. Hmm. So... Kind of autobiographical, I guess. <laughs> a little close to home there. <laughs> yeah, well, I, people really love this musical, though. Again, it's on a top ten list for Oscars right now, including varieties there. And to, to say that, plus In the Heights, plus Vivo on the animated side, it's all in play. I mean, that just speaks to the star power of Lin-Manuel Miranda, for sure. Is he going to get all three in? Probably not. So I, I don't know which one. I mean, with the In the Heights buzz right now, it's hard to say that. That's what's going to fall. I don't know. Maybe he gets all three in. I have no idea. Netflix, for their matter as well, they bought Bruise, which is Holly Berry's directorial debut. We've talked about that previously here, where she plays a UFC fighter. Uh, It looks cool. I want more than anything to be the guy that spends the studio's money at film festivals. Because I just watched (laughs) Late Night for the first time the other day. Okay. And I I sampled Britney Runs a Marathon as well. Like, I don't know how you can watch these movies and think, yeah, this one has Oscars legs. Here's Late night was fine. Twenty-five million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is spending unbelievable amounts of money on these movies that are just, you know, you can tell if you've if you've been in this business long enough, you can watch something and say, well, that's going to be an Oscars movie or that's not. Well, I'll tell you, I would go to a hackneyed uh, transition here. I would go for Nora Finkscheid Project, <laughs> Untitled Nora Finkscheid Project, Blind Buy. Because she's awesome. But no, System Crasher, Hell at a Zangle was in that. And, uh, you know, Untitled Nora Finkscheid Project should be the name of a German techno band. But I think, uh, I think, <laughs> Very I good. think, I'm, well, here's the thing. Like, this, this seems a little Oscar y, doesn't it? It's about, it's based on a British miniseries, number one, that was called Unforgiven. So they got a retitle. That's why it's untitled, because you can't have it called Unforgiven, which won Oscars, right? Just so, let it be Kevin Costner in a cowboy hat in this one, too. But Sandra Bullock committed a violent crime. Getting out of jail, and Viola Davis, Rob Morgan, John Barenthal, the Nightingales, Aisling, Franciosi. I don't know. A lot, a lot going on there. Rob Morgan getting his uh, getting his work this year after having a big uh, twenty twenty. Still going to be going to be a household name soon enough. We just talked about Please. him in glowing terms uh, recently. Please. All right. What do we forget? We forgot. Our Anna de Armas is Marilyn Monroe. We forgot Melissa McCarthy is fighting a bird in the Starling. <laughs> We got uh, potentially Judd Apatow's The Bubble, but that's a pandemic shot shoot kind of thing. Is that Oscars necessarily? Tyler Perry's doing another movie, Jazzman's Blues. It's a confusing title. Uh, I'm learning about different kinds of movies. I already saw Passing 
at uh, Sundance, which is uh, Ruth Negga's really good in it. Rebecca Hall movie, period piece. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's going to be like a bunch of nominees kind of thing. I'd be surprised. The Hand of God is uh, from the great beauty director, uh, Italian guy who's kind of half crazy like me, (laughs) fellow Italian. (laughs) Paolo Sorrentino. Sorrentino, yep. He does the bad Pope movies. I say that because, I, I again, this is a kind of a nomcast inside joke. He made a short film of yes. uh, figurines of the Queen and the Pope just flirting with each other. Like hard making passes at each other for 15 minutes. You were very much high on that one. You were very into it. It was one best of your best film movies. Best film in that yeah. terrible <laughs> short film. No, but the, he's, he's a weird dude, Paolo Sorrentino. He's a fun guy. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Amazon Prime and talk about their offerings. Michael, what interests you most for what Amazon Prime has this year? Well, I mean, in terms of Oscars, it would be hard to say that uh, being the Ricardos is not number one, but that could go either way, and I may have I may have more information on it in uh, upcoming episodes, hint, hint. There you but go. Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball, Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz, Aaron Sorkin, writer-director, J.K. Simmons, Alia Shawkat, Tony Hale. Like, this seems to be in the wheelhouse of Amazon, who just had a hit with One Night in Miami, did the uh, kind of real history, uh, biopic kind of thing. I don't know. It might, it might work for them. It might be a stinker, though. Like, we've seen these go very wrong in the past. They've definitely been Oscar grabby in the past, too, yeah. You got a floor with Aaron Sorkin, you would think? Aaron Sorkin, Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, you got a floor. I'm just worried about can they pull off the comedy? Can they? Is this just going to be like a boomer delight? What, what, what is being the Ricardos to you? Whatever it is, it's not worthy of the why isn't Deborah Messing cast in this scandal that is the most <laughs> ridiculous of scandal. Like, how lazy can you be? Well, there's an actress who's a redhead. Why isn't she playing the famous redhead? But why Stop isn't it. she playing the famous redhead? Though? Deborah Mess- Who doesn't love Deborah Messing? Especially, what? Look, all due respect to Deborah Messing, Nicole Kidman, probably a better actress. Pro- yeah. <laughs> right? By, like, by that's fair to say. By, so by a schmidge. I, okay, I'm, I'm happy that Nicole Kidman's in this, though I will <laughs> say, I do agree. The thought, that when I first heard Nicole Kidman's going to be playing Lucille Ball, my, my take was, how's Bewitched. that going to work? So, no, you yeah. think back to Bewitched. That's what you think back to. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> right. Uh, you could see that, too. Yeah, absolutely. So you think it might be a little too... Uh... Boomer bust. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Though, again, I mean, when's the last time Nicole Kidman made a bad movie? Even, even uh, what was that one she came out, with the, came out with at the end of 2019 that fell short of all uh-huh. the uh, awards praise it was supposed to be? It was still watchable. It was still passable. All right, so you're saying it, she raises the she's a floor raiser, Nicole. Yeah, Kidman. I think her and Bardem too. I mean, the two of them again. That's if you're going to have two leads, much like in the way that Leo and Jayla are going to be your leads. You, I think you have something that you can at least rely on. All right, well, you're forcing me to look up her filmography. The Prom is kind of meh. Is a meh. It's a meh. Fest. It was a meh. It was a meh. Yeah, I agree. Destroyer that destroyer was a little ridiculous. It was okay. It was good. It was, yeah, fine. It was watchable. It was watchable. Yeah. The upside was yeah, you know, the beguiled is good. Killing of a sacred deer, sacred deer, really good. Lion, really good. I thought, genius. I don't. Good God, under pain of death, I couldn't tell you what genius is about. If I was being tortured, I would. Yeah, a uh, secret in their eyes. You didn't like that one. She was no, in the uh, That's remake. True. That's true. The family fang. Okay, she had a slump there. Queen of the desert, strange land, stranger land. That couldn't have been good. <laughs> 
no idea. Grace of Monaco, there's a stinker. So no, before Stoker, yeah, the Paperboy. No, she had a rough go for a while there. Well, Mike. the Paperboy what was that 2010. You're talking 2012. No, yeah, she had a, the beginning of the decade though. Yeah, no, she had like a five year slump. All I right. don't know. We'll see. I, I look if 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 you want to say that's going to be bad, <laughs> I I can be convinced of it. I can absolutely. I can. Uh, as far as what I'm intrigued by, I'm not blown away by what Amazon Prime slate is right now, but there are a couple titles. There's just not a lot of information out about yet because mm-hmm. it's too early. Uh, I'll, I'll take a net, which I didn't think I would like the trailer for, <laughs> but the trailer actually from the Sparks brothers, Adam driver, Marianne Cotillard, the trailer I thought kind of made fun of itself and therein made fun of like every Oscar grabby trailer ever, because it starts out as this very serious you know, he drives a motorcycle. She's an <laughs> artist. Like, that type of setup. And it kind of makes fun of itself, which I, I liked. You'll probably like the Sparks Brothers then, and Sparks, the band Sparks, because they're just, they're so much fun, and they poke fun at themselves all the time. And self-awareness is and huge yeah. right now, Mike. I mean, like, look at Emerald Fennell. Look at Jordan Peele. Like, awokeness and self-awareness and knowing who you are and making fun of yourself, yeah. that, that leads to success if it's done well enough, so... But uh, French that's... miming and doing a two-hour movie on just costume changes, like Holy <laughs> Motors, is the man's precursor film. That is his... Leos Carax is a strange filmmaker, <laughs> let's just say. So the, that was the weirdest movie ever made. So I... All along, I've been skeptical of this film. But you, you add the fact that the Sparks Brothers and Edgar Wright just did a really fun documentary that I... I think it's going to Nia, and oh, jeez, now I forget. Anyway, I didn't write down documentaries and where they're going, but the Sparks Brothers is a documentary coming out this year. I saw it at Sundance, and it's basically about these these two brothers who are in this rock band that never get famous as famous as they should get. So it would be so ironic. It would be the height of dramatic irony that if they make a movie with a screwball French director... <laughs> weirdest ever this one is oscar nominated at the end of the day we should we should this is a great place in the middle of the episode too to kind of put this disclaimer we're just kind of doing this to get ourselves and the audience familiar with titles we may be talking right. about in the future so we are by no means saying this is definitely going to be an oscars contender coming up it may it actually also, be the exact opposite yeah it's coming out of can though so i mean it could have the runway you never yeah. know yeah star it, power Right. It, I mean, it could be it could be another being the Ricardos, for better or worse. <laughs> Boomer bust from Amazon this year, Michael. And the Tender Bar might be another one of those. Because this is George Clooney uh, starring Ben Affleck as his bartender. And a boy seeks a replacement for his father who disappeared shortly after his birth and bonds with his uncle and the patrons at a bar. Did I just guess the premise? Did you just get, guess the, uh, the the spoiler, the twist? Did we all just guess the twist on this? I mean, this is this is the story of everyone who grew up in the Naugatuck Valley in Connecticut. <laughs> so the uncle's the father. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> immediately when I saw the trailer for the Midnight Sky, George Clooney movie, I guessed the premise and I was right. <laughs> immediately. Saw the trailer, reviewed it with you. It, it, look, go back. Did you ever watch that movie? Where... I did. I saw it No, no, theaters. not the Midnight oh. Sky. The one where we were like, uh, well, clearly... He killed his daughter. The one with no. The I didn't even back. watch that one because we were right. so sure. We're so David Oyelowo. <laughs> right. I was. I'm curious to know because in my head, ever since we were like, well, he clearly did it. That, like that's just how the movie played out. I have no idea if that's what happened. How arrogant are we? We didn't even go back and watch it. We were so sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> the uncle did it. Yeah. Been in the game for too long, I think. <laughs> no, the uncle did it right here. The tender bar. The uncle oh, yeah, did it. Absolutely. Without question. That's that's how this one ends. So I'm glad. I hope it's good. It's based on a book. It's supposed to be good. George Clooney, Clooney needs to get off the schneid. Athlete, yeah. Yeah. Eh. Benefer's back. Are you excited about that? <laughs> I, I, I'm glad they're talking. I mean, he was awesome to listen to on Feinberg. He had nothing but glowing yes, things to say. True. That's true. Anyway, the electrical life of Louis Wayne could be great, could be terrible. Benedict Cumberbatch about a painter paints big eyes on uh, paintings. Uh, I don't know. It could be you could radioactive. Have said anything there, and I would have been like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is it. This is the kind of, we have a list of movies here from Amazon. We just don't know. The Mad Woman's Ball. There's a Wikipedia page, but there's not, not much about it other than the fact that it's directed by the woman who played Shoshana in Inglorious Bastards, Melanie Laurent. I, I, mean, I love there's her. There's just not yeah. a lot of info out there. I wanted to put it on there because she's awesome. And yeah. uh, she's always good when she acts. I, I, I don't, she, you know, she just hasn't. She hasn't sold out yet, which is kind of cool. She's in, again, she's in like a chamber piece on Netflix coming up that I'm excited to watch, Oxygen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's like next week. But you got Oscar Farhadi, Mike Mike and Oscar, different spelling with uh, Dream Guest number one right here. Uh, he's doing A Hero, and he's a two-time Best International Film winner mm-hmm. at the Oscars. A Separation, the salesman, Iranian film director. So I mean, that that seems like a good bet, I would say. Otherwise, Cinderella, Michael. Apparently, this is an original musical. This is Billy Porter, Adina Menzel, Pierce Brosnan, Minnie Driver, John Mulaney, and James Corbin. It was what? going so well, right? Yeah, so what? Well. <laughs> like... So Adina Menzel could be a great wicked stepmother, but mm-hmm. Mulaney and James Corden are going to be essentially your Jack and Gus Gus roles. What a weird pairing. Weird pairing. It's, so, it, I mean, yeah, it's a shame this movie way. won't exist because no Cinderella has ever existed since the 1950 <laughs> Disney original classic. That's true. That's true. But if this movie were to ever be made in reality, which it won't be because I refuse to acknowledge it, it could be mm-hmm. okay. If it was made... It could be good. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say that about all of Amazon Prime's <laughs> slate right now. We're terrible film promoters. It's Michael. just a weird package of films for Amazon this year. They had a great year this year, this past film year. Well, and it seems like this is kind of just a, a grab bag of stuff. Let's say something positive, though. They're they're taking aggressive swings at it. and That's for sure. Points for ambition. And if yeah. they hit on one, if one of these movies is a masterpiece, that's really cool. That's right. It would seem... It only takes one. It would seem that being the Ricardos is their, uh, right now, just on paper, right? I, that would be the one where they, I would think they put a lot of their apples in that basket. They got a kajillion, bajillion dollars, too, so they could yeah. just buy something at the end it's of the true. day. An acqu- acquisition, the next hot uh, Sundance movie, or obviously the next hot uh, can movie, etc. And Apple did just that, Michael. They bought Coda off of Sundance. This is Marley Matlin. This is Cian Heder. Heater, excuse me. I-, I love this movie at Netflix. It's about a daughter who's basically the interpreter for her deaf parents. So she signs for her parents who are fishermen. They have a family fishing business, but she also wants to be a singer. And, and she's she's got this really fun teacher at school that takes, you know, it's a, she's trying to do have her own life as a high school kid and coming of age story. Marley Matlin's really good in it. It's really funny. And it's it, it's one of those good blends where they actually hit the emotional notes and it's funny and it's got some substance to it. So Coda was one of the bright, shining oases of Sundance where I saw 39 films and probably liked eight of them. 
Hey, again, we're honest, if nothing else. But you think yeah. that one might have awards legs? It was that good. It could, you know. I think in a, I think in a, in last year it would have gotten a lot of nominations. I think in this year, the way this slate is stacking up and how long we're talking about it, it's looking like more of a screenplay and maybe mm. a supporting actress, you know, contender. But we'll see. You never know. Uh, as far as what intrigues me most about Apple, uh, we'll talk about Scorsese in a second, but Swan Song actually jumped off the page to me. Cool. And I had not known much about it until uh, you kind of did some research here, and that forced me to do a little research on it. But we got a loaded cast, Mahershala Ali, Naomi Harris. I don't know. The last time those two shared a screen together, the movie turned out all right in Moonlight. Uh, yeah. Glenn Close and Aquafina. Look, usually, I stress usually, <laughs> When you add Glenn Close to something, it doesn't get worse, unless you're a Ron Howard film, apparently. What if she just stubs her toe, and she breaks into tears, and she's in like three scenes, and every scene she stubs her toe, and it's like just really genuine, and she just wins the Oscar for doing that. Best broken toe. Look, Glenn, we gotta do something for you. This is getting sad. And tell me this isn't an Oscar attention-grabbing premise, right? When a loving husband and father is diagnosed with a terminal illness, you could stop right there and be like, oh, this is an Oscars movie, with that with the talent attached. And a clumsy neighbor stubs her toe against the, yeah, it's going to win. But it does have an interesting twist, at least in the premise. He's presented with a controversial alternative solution to replace himself with a carbon copy clone. Yeah. I don't know. It could be a little too hokey for me. Absolutely. But you never know. Sure. You never know. Benjamin Cleary, though, is the writer-director. He already has an Oscar win under his belt uh, for okay. the action, live-action short film Stutterer back in 2015. So I do have in- incredibly high hopes for that one. Again, knowing nothing about it outside of doing research for it today. Well, we're burying the lead on Apple. Of course. They have Killers of the Flower Moon that's in production right now. This could be the number one contender overall, right? If it comes out in 2021. Okay, yeah. But wouldn't we have said the same thing about I Heard You Paint Houses or The Irishman or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Enjoy 18-Hour Films from a couple years ago with Netflix? Yeah, and we did. We did. Everybody did. So off the back of that, I wonder... If Scorsese is going to be left, and we've heard Apple is going to be financing this in part as well, and they're giving Scorsese all kinds of money. It's kind of the same beats that the production for The Irishman had with Netflix and Scorsese in the production of that movie. So I am a little worried. I mean, look, The Irishman was good, but do I want to see another four-hour Scorsese movie that's going for Oscars? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I want to see it. I want to read the book. I've just bought the book. On, uh, on on Audible there. So, members of the Osage tribe in the United States are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major FBI investigation involving J. Edgar Hoover. And basically, it's the start of the FBI. It's the story of the start of the FBI. So, this is DiCaprio yeah, the last De Niro. Time there was a movie that was focused on that was called The Good Shepherd, and I hated it. Yeah, it's true. But this is like the real story. <laughs> that was like just Matt Damon going to uh, wearing Throwing a fez hat. Planes. Yeah, I don't even care if I squirreled that movie. That movie was unbearable. The movie sucked. Yeah. So, look, again, it's Scorsese. It's Leo. He's completely unrecognizable. He wears a button-up collared shirt. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm excited for Apple's entire slate, and this is clearly the premier title of the slate, but I'm Mm -hmm. just, I have this nagging voice in the back of my head. This really feels familiar. 
But what if they just made Tetris for like twenty million instead of two fifty, and they win for Tetris, the biopic no. about the creator of the video game starring Taron Egerton? Mike, don't joke <laughs> about it. I'm, 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 I've never been more serious than I am in this moment. Mm-hmm. Tetris has a very complicated and fascinating legal history behind it. Really. Yes, and I don't remember the specifics about the case, but I remember it had something to do with the United States and Russia going back and forth during basically the 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 seventies and eighties. I want to say so it was like right in the middle of this Cold War panic. Oh my god! And so I I and if you look at the Wikipedia page, not that there's a lot there, but it does say that this is going to be focused on the legal battle involving and surrounding Tetris. So there's a lush story there that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. This isn't going to be the the battleship <laughs> movie with Liam Neeson, right? This is going to be a little more palatable for cinema. I thought it was going to be an athletic Taron Egerton jumping up <laughs> on life size. Basically, what's that show that uh, they fall in the water and they jump on all the foam things? The, yeah, the uh, like Wipeout, I think, is it called? Wipeout. Yeah. <laughs> which I would also see, by the way, if it was. Which that. I would also. Which I was ready to see. I was ready to put click play on on <laughs> Wipeout with uh, Taron Egerton, the movie. But all in all, it looks like Apple's got as skeptical as I am for Amazon Slate. I am high and intrigued by Apple Slate. We didn't even mention the Tom Hanks Ski right. Ulrich movie called Finch that used to be called Bios Michael. An ailing inventor, the last man on earth, <laughs> builds an android to keep him and his dog company of and course. goes on a journey across the country. What? You gotta keep the dog company with an android. <laughs> Tell me how that's different from from the movie the Tom Hanks Sky. just did, but oh. in the future. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, but they're, if they're Apple TV Plus, they want you know they want uh, accessible films only, accessible films. That's their brand. They went, they went off. I, listen, I give them credit. They went off their brand a little bit. They had Palmer, which was with the Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake, mm-hmm. that was a bit heavier, and then they had um, uh, what's not Palmer, but the one word with uh, Spider Man in it that nobody watched. <laughs> Cherry. Cherry. Thank you. Not about Palmer, drug addict, but the one yeah. word with the Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> this I'm surprised this episode hasn't devolved into just us being our parents and asking <laughs> it's, questions it's about IMDb. There. It's yeah. getting there. It's still early. <laughs> it's getting there. All right. So we got to move from the streamers to the other half streamer, I guess, <laughs> HBO Max and Warner Brothers here. But this is mostly Warner Brothers on HBO Max. I mean, we've got a big list here, Michael. We've already mentioned In the Heights. We've previewed Dune, King Richard a bunch of times. Uh, we've talked about you know Godzilla versus Kong in passing, I guess. I reviewed it on Minorities Report film. All right, are, are we both saying In the Heights is their number one, or if not number two, 1A with Dune or something? But... Where, where where do you think the buzz is at for In the Heights? Right now it's coming out June 11th. Are, are we saying that's their number one contender? I would think so. It, it, the early word is very, very good on it as well. I know a couple people. I, I talked to Jazz, who had just seen it. I know uh, Rosa from <laughs> Latin Lens. A couple people have gotten their hands on it. Everyone that I know that has seen a screener for it already says it's very, very good and it's worth the money and everyone should go see it and everyone will feel good about themselves. It seems like the happy pick for the right. year, too, right? I mean, this is like celebrate community, uh, celebrate the city. Right. The cities need to come back. So, it's, yeah, it's and, and it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, give me that. Right. And, and you know, it's just crazy to me how much more palatable, accessible, universally appealing, whatever descriptors you want to use, that one is right now than West Side Story. True. 
Yeah, it's 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 really dunking on West Side Story since the uh, first trailer came out for In the Heights. Mm-hmm. So, and we we've seen summer releases not have the legs that they thought the the, the awards legs they thought they would. Like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the famous example of that. Most recently, at least on this show. So True. maybe there's something to West Side Story holding itself until the holidays and Christmas time, and maybe it'll be have have the last laugh amongst the the major musicals at the end. But right now, I don't think. If you were to ask any random people, I think the anticipation would be more for In the Heights and West Side Story. Great trailer, and yeah, mm-hmm. no, we're we're in for it. Um, we maybe should try and get a screener. What are we doing? We didn't even ask anybody, but all right. Uh, King Richard. We have Will Smith in the Oscars conversation for King Richard. I would say that that is something that we've been anticipating for a while. That's the Williams sister uh, biopic movie about their relationship with their dad. Could be King Richard. It, it could be the very rare two-time, one hundred percent accurate Oscars prediction show shower-upper movie. Because we both that was, predicted it last year. Right. It was, yeah, it was a big player in last year's one hundred percent accurate Oscars predictions. That show that is coming up for us uh, later uh, in the next week or so. Here, when we were previewing twenty twenties films. After the Oscars last year, uh, that was a big player, but obviously WB had to pull it off its schedule, and now they're uh, redistributing it. So I, I'm going to be interested to see how that one holds up. Will Smith, I, I know some people who are already excited about it, and he's gonna he's been flirting with Oscars relevancy already in the past. Again, it's a very lush, personable story. If you don't know about the the Williams sisters' upbringing, there's a lot of controversy and triumph there uh, intertwined <laughs> within that story that I think does lend itself quite well to uh, being cinematic fare. I'm rooting for it. I really am. I hope. Uh, I hope. I, we've been craving a great sports movie for a while too. Not not yeah, necessarily true. that this will be, you know, framed as a sports movie. I'm sure it's framed as a biopic, but you know, father daughter story, obviously. But we we need some, we need a good sports movie for Christ's sake. It's been forever. Agree. Mike, Dune, are you looking at this year and saying, all right, we need, the Oscars need, they need big hit movies in there. Do you think the Academy's saying that to one another and Dune could be a huge hit movie, even if it isn't great? <sighs> Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, I mean, it could be like a celebration of cinema and a celebration of return to theaters and all that stuff. I mean, it could. And Denis Villeneuve is someone who's obviously very familiar to the Academy. So if ever there was going to be a giant blockbuster that can lend itself that in the heights, which could be a big crossover kind of smash. And it's interesting to me that WB has two movies that they would that would seem to be poised for both awards and big box office success. Uh, mm-hmm. In the year where we're hopefully all going back to theaters and theaters can be saved and can be become relevant again, even though it's on WB, which is going to be debuting on HBO Max, I guess that also means. So we'll see what all that how that all plays out. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if there are awards hopes within the offices of WB for Dune for the sake of theaters and for the sake of blockbusters that would not be surprising to me at all especially i mean god remember it was last year where that dune trailer release was this big online event that was supposed to be the showstopper and this red carpet premiere and stephen colbert was involved so clearly there's big plans for dune to be handled as the blockbuster its price tag says it should be i i could just see a year where the academy's like give me big yeah give me big sure. movies give me a big musical like in the heights give me another big musical like west side story give me give me big blockbuster type tentpole movies like dune and killers of the flower mm-hmm. moon and i didn't mean to rhyme there but i could <laughs> I, I could just see it happening 
I don't know. Could have been I, the big year for the Transformers franchise to finally land that Transformers covered Oscar win. Broken through Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> Here we go, Oscar nominee. Well, it should be for uh, you know uh, VFX, I would say. But yeah, I mean they can go VFX with the Suicide Squad, Matrix Four coming out at the end of the year. They can be loaded with VFX noms here. WB coming off the Tenant win. But all right, let's talk about the sneaky contenders in this list. And I, I have two of them. I have Cry Macho and Don't Worry Darling. Let's start with the one that we want to like more. I would think that's Don't Worry Darling, right? Don't Worry Darling from Olivia Wilde, Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Gemma Chan, Chris Pine, Kiki Lane, Nick Kroll. What a One crazy... of those names is not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick Kroll, but he would say this. He would make the same He had joke. a hilarious over the weekend talking about how he was going to get on Cameo, but he's only going to give Cameos. He's going to call them Krolios and only give them to people who don't want them, specifically to only to people who don't want them. And it was very funny, very lewd and He's, my fa- he's hysterical. Hey, um, but he, he's not all these other... It's like the Eternals and Nick Kroll. <laughs> Don't worry, darling. Who's the cult leader? (laughs) I can't wait for that one. But that was the big one that had the auction with it. Olivia Wilde sold it to auction, and and, and this is where it sold, WB. So this is kind of cool. And it's on top ten list. It's on Clayton Davis's top ten. So this this is this is the intriguing one to me. This is why we do episodes like this. We we discover or we're reminded of movies like Don't Worry Darling. And you know who won't be in it? Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Don't Thank Worry God. Darling kind of speaks to WB I thought had a good year last year especially with the surprising uh, Academy success of Judas and the Black Messiah I, I, look at the diversity of what they're offering here for their both theatrical and HBO Max offerings this year Don't Worry Darling is kind of that sneaky indie-esque I would say Oscar picks even though it was went for a big price tag at auction like you said then there's the super duper blockbusters like Dune there's other Oscars fair like we think King Richard is shaping up or could shape up to be if it's handled well there's in the heights which I didn't even mention yet the suicide like there's a lot of stuff to to like here from WB if you are any type of fan of any movies whatsoever but uh for every don't worry darling there's a cry macho Mike yeah, Clint Eastwood, he's just been hit and miss. The Mule was effing terrible, <laughs> but we did like Richard Jewell, that being said. And I forgot I liked Richard Jewell. A lot. Anyway, yeah. American Sniper, yeah, we, I don't know. There people liked and disliked that. Grant Torino, ugh, <laughs> step on, bite your finger really hard. <laughs> Say you like that movie, Million Dollar Baby. I don't know. I'm sure everybody loves and hates that film. That uh, that late breaker, though, the quintessential late breaker. This is October 22nd. Cry Macho, a one-time rodeo star. I got to use this voice and a washed-up horse breeder. Oh my God! So already yell at a chair. <laughs> yell at a chair and lose sense of time and space. When is it? Just in that fucking stage, he's too old. It does Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Well, look, Richard Jewell was, we might have been the highest people outside of Sam Rockwell and Paul Walter Hauser on Richard Jewell. We really, really liked yeah. him. Kathy Bates was great in right. it, deserved that Oscar nom. I so thought. if he can go in that direction, I, he clearly, Clint Eastwood clearly still has all kinds of talent as a storyteller. How dare we make jokes? How dare you let me make jokes <laughs> about this? But he does have a spotty resume lately, I will agree. Lately. 
yeah. Trouble Trouble with the Curve is actually a decent baseball movie. Can we can we also admit I, I, that? Yeah, I, I thought is it was. Is it just bad. Justin Timberlake, Amy Adams that I, just worked? That, that just it's was also, right. It's also a ridiculous premise. Like the number one high school recruit, you got to find out that late in the process can't hit a curveball. That'd probably be that show but he, up. But when you can hear a swing, you don't need to see a swing. Right, right. That has nothing to do with what we do here professionally in terms of scouting baseball players. Okay, so the least, the movie that we probably shouldn't even mention is Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move. Because Steven Soderbergh, after that catastrophe, I'm out. C- catastrophic Oscars is not winning. I'm out. Even though he, yeah, he brought back his, every great actor who's ever acted for him in this HBO Max movie, No Sudden Move, which actually looks really good based on the premise. But Don I've Cheadle, had such a hard yeah. time, too, with his latest stuff. It just, like, High Flying Bird comes to mind. It's just, it's been stuff that has not landed for me, and that yeah. Oscars thing, which I think that he's going to escape from unscathed relatively because it seems like everyone's just kind of moved on from the terrible, terrible catastrophe it was on Oscars night. Yeah, I'm done with Steven Soderbergh. What was now. the Unsane? We liked the Claire Foy movie, yep, though. That, was, that one was good. Oh, I God. did like that I'm, one. We're talking about each other. I'm talking about you and me like we're a couple now. We like that. We like that restaurant. <laughs> Ravioli? Holy cannoli. <laughs> Give me cancer now. God. That's terrible. <laughs> we like that movie. What is happening? We got to move on to Disney. WB's got a cool slate. And they, the fact Agreed. that they... Got their shit together with the whole streaming maneuver. Uh, it's e- makes it easier on us because mm-hmm. they basically laid out the whole slate. All right, Disney has a little more intrigue to it. They got the Beatles documentary from Peter Jackson, Mike. But let's let's kind of take this one portion at a time because this is a giant beast. Everything yeah. Disney is a giant beast. So 20th Century Studios, they got The Last Duel and Canterbury Glass, Michael. Everybody's talking about Jamie and Deepwater. You, you got to be most intrigued by one of those titles. Well, it's not The Last Duel, which is something I think you might be hearing from us again in another episode coming up previewing this year. Is the biggest worry about The Last Duel Matt Damon and Ben Affleck doing French accents? For you three could hours? have ended that sentence, Mike, with like seven things we know about The Last Duel. And my answer would have been yes. I think there's a lot of red flags attached to that movie right now. Jodie Comer is not one of those red flags. No. Adam Driver is not one of those red flags. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Nicole <laughs> Hall of Center, not necessarily. No. One of those. Yeah. Although the way in which she was brought on concerns me. But yeah. But was it the last duel in the 10th century? No. <laughs> it's it was. Just a giant lie. It's an effing lie. In medieval France, the last <laughs> duel. Are you kidding me? Alexander Hamilton. Kate. We, we, you see that movie? Huh? Ridley Scott? <laughs> He's the man on the edge at the beginning of a film year. Referencing other movies to get at his the history, historical precedents he needs to cite. Yes. I, I am very excited for Canterbury Glass, the formerly known as the Untitled David O. Russell Project. Uh, look, Anya Taylor-Joy, we just said, probably won the entire year of 2020 in terms of right. movie stardom. And she's the 11th name listed in that cast on the Wikipedia page. Oh, my God. So forget anything Scorsese or Wes Anderson is doing. For me, for Mike One's taste, David O. Russell has my intrigue when it comes to ensemble pieces. And as an aside from never mind the hot streak he could be on, I mean, The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, Joy. If this one lives up to what it sounds like it could be with this cast attached to it, Margot Robbie, Christian Bell, John David Washington, Remy Malik, mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Mike Myers, Timothy Oliphant, Michael Shannon, Chris Rock, then Anya Taylor-Joy's name, then Andrea Riesborough, uh, never mind Matias Schoenert and Alessandra Novella. 
if this one lives up to what it could be by the sounds of it, we could be talking about one of the greatest five film stretches and one mm-hmm. of the greatest decades any director's ever had with that lineup. But there's also but, this thing where, like, if David O. Russell and that behind-the-scenes footage comes out where he tries to go what he did to Lily Tomlin on, like, Margot Robbie, we could mm. see a castration live in color and on set when he has the audacity to try that with someone the, the likes of Margot Robbie, who will, I think, no doubt kill him if he dare get out of line in that way. So oh I think God. we have that to look forward to as well. So, again, a, a, a project with way too much money invested into it on the edge of a knife. <laughs> $250 million is the Are you kidding tag. me? Well, here's the here's the premise that I don't get at all. Like, mm-hmm. what are they thinking? This is your premise? A doctor and a lawyer form an unlikely partnership in the 1930s, and you have this cast. Like, I feel like it should be a doctor and a lawyer and a... And a, <laughs> and a priest. A ringmaster and, and a priest yeah. and a candlestick maker. But, I mean, if you and talk you have to, to guess you, who's who. If you boil American Hustle down to, like, its most basic, you'd have a very similar sounding. I just don't... I, I think David O. Russell is a very secretive guy, as we've known mm-hmm. him to be until his projects. He's, he's kind of like Paul Thomas Anderson in that way. He likes having his projects, and then he likes unleashing them in the world, and onto the world. So, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I do hope they avoid the de-aging technology if they're going to have a 1930s movie with Robert De Niro involved. <laughs> Please avoid... <laughs> Street fights with Robert De Niro, yes, after de aging, but you know, uh, yeah, I, I look, I think, I think this movie's got. I, I guess if you're going to give somebody two hundred fifty million dollars to make a movie, David O. Russell's not the last person. I, would, I mean, I would give him the money. I mean, he he's made a one hit after another, one movie that's been a top ten film on our list year mm-hmm. after year after year. So yeah. I mean, this is this is like what we should be rooting for. But I just, I'm now I'm nervous for him. Sure. I, I could absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's well founded too. Especially, like, how can you not be excited about that cast? And it, you know, Valentine's Day had a loaded cast too. By the way, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> totally different ball game, but still. Right. Anchorman two had a loaded cast. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like the 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 freaking Adam McKay movie. Like I was watching that last night, and most of them are Oscar nominated in one sense. Right. Anyway, Anchorman two. Funny, but. <laughs> Not an Oscar movie. All right. Everybody's talking about Jamie. We reviewed the trailer. It's a musical. It's getting performance buzz. Deepwater, Mike. This is DeArmas and Affleck, and it's got a January 14th, 2022 release date. Is this a dump? <laughs> is this too sexy and they just dumped it? Nine and a half weeks, flash dance. Indies- is this a porn? What is going on <laughs> with this movie, and why will I be there on opening night? <laughs> is that uh, Deepwater's the uh, Matt Damon, right? No, this is Affleck and uh, De Armas. This was at the height of their coital love affair. Oh, I'm thinking. Of I don't a think I said that movie. Correctly. I'm sorry. No, um, this is Adrian Lynn. This is erotic thriller. Adrian Lynn, good. a career of being. You know a what I respect and... about Ben Affleck, Mike? <laughs> when he falls in love with someone, he is not afraid to make a horrible movie with them. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. He's really not. <laughs> but we don't know he did. Maybe he did. He no, he did. did. I, let's let's just let's chalk that one up. This is getting dumped <laughs> yeah. in January 14, twenty twenty two. We thought of but it's still on people's list, so I'm wondering if it's gonna be like a December thirty you know, thirtieth release and yeah. No, I don't know. They drop they release it as the ball is striking midnight on Look, we are first. seeing this movie. We are two fat perverts. We will watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Another tagline for Mike, Mike, and Oscar. 
<laughs> we are two fat perverts. We will watch that movie. All right. We didn't really get into the animation, but there are rever- reverberations to the best picture conversation here with these Disney animated films and sla- you know slash Pixar, and it's really surrounds Encanto, I would say. So Luca, Ryan the Last Dragon, the Mitchells versus the Machines as a Sony, uh, Vivo. Again, you know we can go. The list goes on and on. Maybe we'll get into more into it the next episode. But I've already seen Ryan the Last Dragon. It's solid. It's gorgeous. Uh, Lucas Pixar, it's Italian, it's my backstory. Is Lu- it, Lucas Pixar, you know, it's not Disney Animation? Lucas Pixar, and that's coming directly to Disney Plus. I yeah, that's soon. a that's a red flag, and I was not impressed by that trailer either. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little worried. Finally get an Italian right. guy movie, I guess. I don't know. I did. Hmm. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm, I'm with you. I, I am as well. Encanto looks, looks interesting, though. And Canto is getting best picture buzz. Yeah, it looks so, very interesting. I agree from, with that. From several of the pundits that we trusted. And, and, and Eric Weber, Eric Anderson, um, Clayton Davis. I'm, we're referencing all of them. I should have mentioned that at the top of the show. We're referencing all of them throughout here, their lists, leaning on their lists. But, okay, MCU, we have Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals from Chloe Zhao. They all look great. I, I can't wait to see them all. I'm rewatching. The I know MCU. nothing about Shang-Chi, and that trailer I thought kicked ass. Well, I'm I'm excited. To, I just give me any MCU movie. I will just go there immediately. The rewatch has been grand. It's just been so good. Uh, I'm just such a I, I I can't help it. I'm I'm a populist in this regard. The MCU MCU movies, but after WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I had to do it. I'm on Iron Man three. I'm just heading into Phase two. Mickey Rourke awesome. will not be rewatching with you, by the way. <laughs> Searchlight, Michael. All right, Searchlight's got a loaded list. Yeah, here. they do. French Dispass. Or Dispatch, going to can The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I thought that was Amazon, but it's not. Jessica Chastain. Not, mm-hmm. Jessica Chastain owns the life rights to Tammy Faye Baker's story, and she got them in 2012. Jessica the Chastain makeup, wasn't a big star until 2012. The makeup would make uh, Jazz Tank a blush. <laughs> so that's, that's a big makeup job. I don't, like, she... <laughs> I'm curious to see what she she says about that one. <laughs> it could be great, could be terrible. I don't know how we'll it's going to hit. Her. Those pictures, though. But anyway, Nightmare Alley, Next Goal Wins. There's a Tom George mystery. Apparently Tom George is making his debut. Yeah, and shout out to Ryan Johnson for single-handedly reviving an entire genre of film and for it to be taken seriously enough for Oscars fodder because this is going to be another whodunit, it sounds like. I'm game. I'm yeah, totally absolutely. Game. I can't wait. Sam Rockwell, David Oyelowo, Saoirse Ronan are leading it. 1950s London. Hollywood film producer character involved. I am in. I am in. Give me that immediately. Same Tom here. George, big British TV director. I'm in for Taika Waititi's next movie. And it's going to be a sports movie, a rug- rugby coach movie. All right? It's a little white savory, but, you know, Taika Waititi's introducing us to a a new generation of uh, yeah, but is it over there? Like we, the, if we, we went into know. Taika Waititi's yeah. last movie, we would have said we had concerns where it's like he's going to glorify Hitler as a best friend, and it won an Oscar. So yeah. who knows what he actually has in store for us? Sam Neill was the opposite of a white savior in Hunt for the <laughs> Wilder People. So yeah, so all right, I, I'm I'm really excited about this list. Nightmare Alley. I I don't know if we, we'll have to watch the original, but look at this cast. Bradley Cooper, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, David Strathairn, Willem Dafoe, Mary Steenburgen, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman comeback wow. here. Oh, my God. Clifton Collins Jr. is going to be in Jockey. He was very good at Sundance. Richard Jenkins and Tim Blake Nelson. 
That is Nightmare Alley. That's an absolutely loaded, loaded game. There, it's just something I did notice too. Is that, and maybe it's just a product of us paying attention to every single movie that comes out as a result of doing MMO. But it seems like there are so many huge ensemble movies lately, and that seems yeah. to be. We were talking about how the movie star seems to be dying and fading away, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're just all teaming up now. Wes Anderson cast the entire ensemble of his ten film right. career in the French right. Dispatch. Right, I mean They're that's an example in. of it. That David, the David O. Russell movie, the Scorsese, they just just these huge, huge ensemble casts for these movies. It's fun. It's kind of what the Hollywood, you know, what Hollywood did as a response to television just becoming a thing in mm. general. Good point. Right, with the huge three-hour musicals. So it's not like it's, it's it doesn't have a historical precedent. But all right, so Disney's got a huge overall slate. Go figure. We're right? in for it. They're gonna have. They're going to have people, they're going to have movies last to the end. We know they will. So, And now we have traditional studios we can talk about that I think we have reason to be a little concerned about some of them. Uh, we'll start with uh, Columbia slash Sony, which has, Sony's been doing very well for themselves up until recently, uh, but I don't know that there's anything that's really going to blow us away here thus far, at least as they have uh, their slate as it stands. A Journal for Jordan, that's going to be directed by Denzel Washington. It is a late release it's coming out in december so maybe that's going to be their big awards magnet maybe that's me putting my foot in my mouth there michael b jordan's in it uh written by virgil williams who was notable for writing for 24 the tv show you would think denzel michael b jordan that's going to have hopeful awards legs but we've also seen late december releases uh such as with big names attached like julia roberts recently Mm -hmm. that didn't do so well coming out from other uh, major studios yeah, Sony's slate is strange because I wonder if they are they're hiding a lot of it. They're they're kind of holding some things back with the whole Netflix thing. We've seen if... big studios do this before too. They say they have nothing early in the year, and then as a couple of months go by, once it gets to the summer, they're saying, "Hey, be on the lookout for this come awards time." So, right, uh, they do have an Amanda Seyfried, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Giamatti movie called "A Mouthful of Air." which is what we should take every once in a while in this episode, but we're not. Would you watch that uh, back-to-back with Swallow? <laughs> you sh- you that's sh- a obviously, you should. Bad that's a great, joke. Just a that's bad joke. That's a great joke. dad joke, though. It's a great dad joke. It's our brand. <laughs> I I believe in it. I, I support you. Uh, nine Days and Jockey, two movies from the film festival. You saw Nine Days. I really want to see it. It was good? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's like everything else last year. Strong like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jockey, also strong. And then we'd high five, and the camera would freeze. Well, oh, well, high five. Yeah. Uh, Parallel Mothers, which is a strange title, but Pedro Almodovar uh, talked to her, Pain and Glory. Penelope Cruz, he's worked with her a bunch of times. He's never made a bad movie with Penelope Cruz, so I'm in for that. And obviously, they're doing a bunch of stuff with Netflix. So again, I'm wondering if we know their whole slate yet. I don't think we do. Uh, Fair. I'm willing to give Sony the benefit of the doubt there because of how good they've been in recent years playing with uh, both Oscars and blockbusters. I'm less willing to give Paramount the benefit of the doubt. I'm not 100% on this, Mike, but ever since Paramount released Fences and Silence at the end of 2016, which both carry Oscar noms, I, I did some quick counting. I think Paramount has only released a total of three movies that were Oscar nominated. In A Quiet Place, Rocket Man, and Love and Monsters, each of which only carried a single below the line nom each to their name. Now, there's obviously Paramount had Trial of the Chicago 7 before selling it to Netflix. They had uh, United States versus Billy Holiday, which carried a big nomination with it, obviously. But that's 
reason to be concerned about what Paramount has to offer, as I think, at least from an award standpoint, as I think is their upcoming slate and what we know about it this year. SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, Quiet Place Part 2, G.I. Joe, Snake Eyes, Top Gun Maverick, which has been delayed for a year plus now, Jackass 4, Clifford the Big Red Dog. Bingo. Uh, <laughs> Oscars. <laughs> How big is the dog? <laughs> so, yeah, nothing very awardsy. It sounds. Yeah, they're going for hits. I guess they're they're launching Paramount Plus. They're maybe eschewing the the whole Oscars game right now. It's, it, it worries me a little bit. I would say it three nominations in, in five years. That's yeah. for a major studio. Again, are they trying to get their ducks in a row, like Sony, with the whole streaming thing? With the whole, they've been cautious, or they, they, let's just say they've been forward thinking with the whole movie theaters or having an apocalypse sort of thing, right? So they've been, you know, they, so they're just they're they trying definitely to have, yeah, they definitely plus. have. I mean, finances aren't going to be their worry, and if that's their focus, like it always is in this industry anyway then they'll probably be just fine. I mean, Top Gun's probably going to make them a lot of money. Quiet Place Part 2 is going to make them a lot of money. I don't know how, but those G.I. Joe movies make money. They got they're, they got a huge conglomerate behind them. But yeah, you're right. They're, they're trying to make money uh, with this slate that we know about thus far. Maybe the we, Scream, Scream 5 will be their big Oscar contender. Scream 5 in your dreams is just, the, their big Oscar contender. Just let it happen. We're all there. <laughs> just let it happen. Well, if it doesn't happen for Scream 5, Halloween Kills, perhaps? Because Universal also has a ton of bona fide hits with me just transitioning like a pro. Beautiful. F9, old, Candyman, Halloween Kills. I mean, if if you'd said I can watch any one of those movies right now, I would click play immediately. I'd be be so jazzed up to see any one of them. And that is what you're speaking to before, too. Maybe there's going to be this desire because we've been so starved for the giant theatrical blockbuster events. There might be this longing. You know, I don't think Fast 9 is going to necessarily compete for Oscars, (laughs) but some of these other big movies may uh, be there at the Academy that may be a little bit surprising to us from a historical standpoint. But I, I do also think there are some... Oscar foddery type things that Universal has. Dear Evan Hansen is another one that's going to go from the mm-hmm. Broadway stage to the big screen, uh, written by Stephen Chbosky, who did The Purse of Being a Wallflower. Julianne Moore is attached to it. Caitlin Dever, Amy Adams. Again, big names in the movie industry. And Dear Evan Hansen, Dear Evan Hansen was a huge musical. A lot of I, I am no Broadway, you know, titan, and I know what Dear Evan Hansen is. Yeah, it's 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 one of many musicals this year. They they still have Wicked. On their mm-hmm. slate for Christmas time, last I looked on IMDb. So if, unless that's an, an error, Universal's got a, a couple of a huge musicals as well, Michael. Uh, so, and we didn't even mention West Side Story with Disney, by the way. I just kind of had that as like a given, and I forgot oh, to mention it. we'll mention it. We will oh, yeah, mention we will, it. <laughs> we will talk about it a lot. But all right, they just bought the Premonition Michael Lewis book, as I did on Audible. I like to equate myself with this hundreds of million dollar purchase in the same sentence. <laughs> but this is Lord and Miller. Is is Lord and Miller of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie? I think they're producers on the Mitchells versus the Machines, Spider Verse, animated guys. Are they 
like, are they doing a mockumentary documentary thing? Or are they trying to be Adam McKay and they're going... I mean, I, it's cool that they get out of their lane. I mean, I got to read that book. It's about the pandemic, though. Does anybody even want this now, which was your tweet? Yeah, that that's, that's where I land on this is that, hey, if you're going to make a gritty... Like, there's one thing to make the Judd Apatow, I did this during the pandemic, it's about the pandemic, but it's got my foot in its mouth and tongue-in-cheek, and it's very funny. It's another thing to take, like, a Michael Lewis book, which is very reality-driven and, and reality-based, and kind of make this drama about this pandemic we're not even out of yet. And like where people have lost loved ones due to this. And it's it's supposedly the book is about the first scientists who tried to warn the American government that this was coming. Like that's just on the sound of it, knowing nothing about this other than what I was able to read in the trades and which is pretty much what I just surmised here. That's very, very iffy to me. A certain few Oliver Stone movies are just like whisking through my brain right, right now, and I'm just like, oh no, too soon. Yeah, the I don't Boston Marathon bombing movie is one to me. Yeah, yeah, too, too soon. soon. All right, focus features though is the typically awards the branch of Universal, their wing there, and they got a loaded card. I guess we got to go back to the old format here, Mike. Which of these movies are you most psyched about from Focus Features? Because again. A ton of a ton of cool directors attached. Uh, Downton Abbey two, which you should say immediately. <laughs> Downton Abbey two is one of them. Uh, I'm going to yield my time to the senator from Central Connecticut here because my Thank most you. anticipated is your most anticipated, but you are much more anticipatory for it. Well, last night in Soho, Edgar yeah. Wright. This is Anya Taylor Joy, Thomas and Mackenzie, Matt Smith. I, if I had access to this right now, I'd click play yeah, immediately. I'd, I'd get popcorn. I'd do it all. But this is this is such a wild premise, Mike, and it's got that crazy still of Thomas and Mackenzie putting her hand over her face and just got black makeup mm-hmm. over her eyes. It's the it's the wackiest thing. Uh, but l- listen to this premise: a young girl passionate about fashion design is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it seems, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. So this is also, you know, could be your nightmare. But I don't know if they're going to dive into the whole time travel thing. I think it's going to be more like Frenzy, says Edgar Wright. It's going to be more like a 1960s strange film you know one of those off-kilter films that we that we enjoyed so much back in that crazy ass decade where they really changed up the studio system again so maybe this is one of those weird uh, perfectly timed weird films depending on what universal does with scream 5 we could have a, a mid to late october early november stretch of going halloween kills last night in soho scream yeah. 5 <laughs> <laughs> I'll be getting all my fixing for uh, the dark, dark humor, dark horror stuff. What if this year we just get one great movie after another? And yeah, they're it's all entirely possible. And look, th- these when the pandemic started, we had these conversations about studios being so iffy about delaying stuff because they're so worried about going up against Disney. And there's only so many slots left and so many yeah. weekends to pick from. And we're going to see it play out. And there's going to be some titans that fall, I think. There's going to be some movies that are banked on to be moneymakers that don't. Obviously, the competition is going to be fierce. Yeah. Not just for awards, but you're right, for dollars. So that, that does make some sense. All right. 
this is strange because we have another June movie in Clayton Davis's top 10 for Best Picture, and it's Blue Bayou from Focus Features, sixth on his list right now. Director Justin Chun, as a Korean-American man raised in the Louisiana Bayou, works hard to make a life for his family. He must confront the ghost of his past as he discovers that he could be deported from the only country he has ever called home, Michael. Blue Bayou. Alicia Vikander is is the one name that I can recognize mm-hmm. there. Mark O'Brien, too. Justin Chan also stars in it. We have uh, we have a film, another film, Within the Heights, coming out in June that's in Best Picture List. It's obviously there's a draw, uh, the Korean American cinema. I mean, whether it's just strictly Korean with Parasite, or whether it's Korean American storytelling, uh, like Minari was this year, there's there's a draw there there's there's a market there and there's people who want to see more of these stories being told which is a great thing so this one seems to be sounding like it's right in in that kind of prism and right it's going to speak to that sort of audience of which there is a large one so hopefully it can find similar success on an academy level as well so as good as that movie sounds and as people seem to hype it up to be Stillwater. Did you watch the trailer? Tom McCarthy, Bet, Matt Damon, yeah, Amanda Knox situation, Abigail Breslin. This trailer sucked. It was bad. I know I say this all oh. the time, but the slowed down, redone version of the great classic rock songs done for dramatic effect. I think they're they've been old. Like if they have fifteen minutes of fame, we're on minute like seventy one of it. Like, I don't it need to bad. hear "Fortunate Son" by John Fogerty to sell a you know Amanda Slow Knox motion. story. Yeah, if he refuses to wear sleeves and he's going <laughs> to, you're going to play that song in slow mo. Just play the song. Just play the song. Right. Exactly. No, it was awful. It, what a, it's almost an offensive stereotype of a Southerner. I he's agree. Playing. What is he I doing? I agree. This felt to me like Matt Damon trying to reach across the aisle politically in some ways. We all know he's a total mass hole. We yeah. love him for it. Yeah. Why is he trying to do this? Yeah. I, uh... Look, I love Tom McCarthy movies. I love Matt Damon. I love Abigail Breslin. Uh, uh. What was that Jimmy Danger mistakes were made? What was that terrible? I don't know. Tom McCarthy made a terrible movie on Disney Plus. Jimmy Danger. I think. Well, can I just repeat the same thing again and see if you'll remember it? <laughs> Timmy? Timmy something? I think it was called oh. Timmy Danger. <laughs> Timmy Danger? <laughs> Armageddon Time from James Gray. All right, look. We, we had Eric Weber on. The, the movie we disagree about most, Eric, if you're listening, is Ad Astra. Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> I am not looking forward to James Gray's next movie. I can't help it. But listen to this cast. Kate Blanchett, Oscar Isaac, Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway, Donald Sutherland. Holy shnikes. Yeah. I mean, it's a movie about him growing up in Queens. James Gray. Armageddon Time. Ronald Reagan's becoming president. I thought oh it was going to be about him watching Armageddon at the local theater. <laughs> he's he's older than that, I guess, <laughs> is what we learned. Yeah, Ad Astra left a lot to be desired storyboard-wise for us. But it was, look, James Gray, if nothing else, he knows how to shoot a movie. He knows how to make it look pretty. He may, he knows how to make it look pretty. He's a visceral director. And, uh, yeah, man, prove me wrong. I liked his other movie. I liked the movie where they're lost in the jungle. Mm-hmm. I forget what that is. This is uh, this is turning into our parents on IMDb. <laughs> I think it was called Jimmy IMDb. Danger is what it was called there. Jimmy Danger. <laughs> Johnny Danger. <laughs> Belfast, Michael. Belfast is... Uh, I guess this is becoming a trend. This is like a director giving his childhood story or a story about where he grew up. Kenneth Branagh 
Irish filmmaker. Little Gold Men is all over this one. Judy Dench, Outlanders, Catriona Balfe, Jamie Dornan, uh, Dornan, November 12th. Belfast is a personal story for, you know, passion project for Kenneth Branagh. Everybody saw The King of Staten Island, and now they're rushing to make their own retelling, huh? <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Gotta thank Who Pete Davidson in... for that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> the card counter, Michael. Are you into the card counter? Of or would course. you want any other director? No, but seriously, <laughs> would you want any uh, Like, if you can have any other director than Paul Schrader, like, soul-crushing director of all time. Who we respect. You, We do respect him. Sure, but I mean... Doing a movie about a gambler. You know, Oscar Isaac can make soul-crushing stuff and still make it palatable. I'm excited to see Tiffany Haddish if it's going to be in a Paul, a classic Paul Schrader-type story. I'm mm. excited to see her spread her acting wings and, and get a little more well-rounded there and see what she can give the performance. And it's about gambling and, car, and card counting, and it's about vengeance. And those are all things that speak to me. A gambler attempts to give guidance to a young man. Is that it? All right. Problem number one with the premise <laughs> So there's an older gambler and a younger gambler. That uh, that doesn't exist. Need an old priest and a young priest. <laughs> All right, John Michael McDonough, brother of Martin, a very good director in his own right, of The Guard and Calvary. John Michael McDonough has The Forgiven Michael. This is Ray Fiennes. Jessica Chastain's going to be all over the place this year. Matt Smith is going to be all over the place. Caleb Landry Jones is, is like Rob Morgan. He's doing the assist roles. He's doing character parts in all these big movies, right? Caleb Landry mm-hmm. Jones. But they're forgiven. This is like a, about a, a chamber piece, about a vacation in the mountains of Morocco, and there's an accident, and oh my god, the families are at odds. What's going on? It's force majeure, but more serious. Maybe not as serious. Hopefully not as serious. <laughs> you, you, you saw the trailer for Downhill, mm-hmm. and that's what you're describing to force majeure, but force majeure is like a father just crying on the floor in the real version, the b- good version. Oh, so it's not it's not a comedy? <laughs> not really. No. I couldn't think of the I couldn't think of Downhill as a title, so I went with Force Majeure. Downhill and the Will Ferrell one apparently was a comedy. I didn't watch it. I refused to watch it because Force Majeure was good. It's like which one do I click on? Let me just watch the original and it was superior. You know, it was a good movie. Anyway. Oh, I learned something today. The more you know. You learned something. All right. The Northman. Where are we at with the Northmen? This is Robert Eggers, who's apparently not Ari Aster. <laughs> the Lighthouse and the Double V Vitch are his you mm-hmm. know, precursors. We're both movies that we really like and respect. He's making a Vikings movie. And of course, this is a dream collab- collaboration with the Icelandic poet Sion, who, of course, frequently corroborates... That's a word. Mm-hmm. I'm making it a word. Sure. With Bjork. With Bjork. <laughs> who's in the movie. And it has Alexander Skarsgård. So it's a very Nordic, Nordic-centric casting and movie here. And it's another one about vengeance. We've previewed this one uh, when Skarsgård was casted. And when we first heard about the, the upcoming Eggers movie... I'm impressed with Universal Slate as much as I am with any other studio because oh, yeah. all these movies are all Universal and there's just a wide variety of stuff to pick from here. But Vengeance it, seems to be a common thread too. This is ballsy. This is... Just say into Robert Edgards and Sion, go make a Viking movie <laughs> about the 10th century. Nicole Kidman will do it. Anya Taylor-Joy, Kate Dickey, Ralph Innocent. Yeah, I mean, you're the cast of the Double V Vitch plus... Ethan Hawke, Willem Dafoe, Nicole Kidman, and Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, and by the way, the strongest man in the world, the mountain from Game of Thrones, Halper Bjornsson. I thought you were going to say Hulk Hogan. 
<laughs> you you believe what you see on the television. <laughs> you, you really take it to heart. We can round the bend and start wrapping up here. One of the last two studios to talk about is United Artists and MGM. Michael, anything big stick out to you from this slate? Yeah. I think uh, House of Gucci has set the internet on fire. It's Clayton Davis's number one. It's Adam Driver and Lady Gaga as the 1990s. Yeah. It's November 24th with the most Oscar-y mm-hmm. release date ever. Every Italian actor is in the movie, including Al Pacino. Jared Leto's fat. Jeremy <laughs> Irons. Salma Hayek. Jared Leto's literally unrecognizable. Never mind Leonardo DiCaprio wearing like a rain poncho and being unrecognizable. Jared Leto is playing the bad guy from Last Action Hero, (laughs) House of Gucci. He's playing the the Tom Cruise lawyer from Tropic Thunder. That's right. He said the makeup is heavy. So this this movie is getting a ton of buzz. I could see it being another Ridley Scott movie that's hit or miss. Apparently, they're talking to the camera. I mean, my God, are people excited for this one already having awards buzz and already releasing uh, film stills from the set is another red flag into the last duel for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can Ridley Scott get two movies? Can Lin-Manuel Miranda get three movies? Can Nicole Kidman lead two movies? I mean, there's so many questions this year. Yeah, there is a lot of questions, a lot of intrigue. And the answer to the first one is no. <laughs> no time to die. Respect. We've gone over and previewed them a thousand times, Michael. Uh, we all, we did a whole series on No Time to Die. We're still doing a series, and it's interesting to me that they're keeping Never that ends. one in like an Oscars window, October eighth. They're not trying to make it a, a summer blockbuster, even though other studios are going for it with summer blockbusters. Well, that's the thing. What if it's awesome mm-hmm. and everybody loves it and? It just reminds people of going to the movies, and yeah, it's best original song, but it gets more. Sure, but entirely possible. There were people that were ready to put on their Oscars list when it was supposed to come out this past November uh, when MGM first moved it. Soggy Bottom from Paul Thomas Anderson. It's supposed to be a 70s high school movie. Follows a high school student becoming an actor in the 1970s. Not porn this time, apparently. Not porn this time. Bradley Cooper, Benny Safdie, two names in it. Uh, Alana Haim. All right. This is scheduled for November 26th. So, again, I mean, UA, MGM, they got their shit together here. Every, their slate is all dated. Cyrano you would think one of them is going to move, right? House of Gucci slated for the 24th of November. Saki Bottom slated for the 26th. Maybe Saki Bottom isn't supposed to be an awards player. It's supposed to be just something that gets Bradley Cooper some reps, but it's Paul well, Thomas maybe Anderson. Maybe Bottom, Saki Bottom, Paul Thomas Anderson, probably platforms is my guess. Yeah. So House of Gucci will go wide on November 24th, and Soggy Bottom probably platforms starts in New York and L.A. And yeah, we'll see. But I I think uh, Little Gold Men to cite them again. They they really do a fun podcast. You know, everybody in the Academy is dying to award Paul Thomas Anderson. So well, that would make sense. I mean, he'd made a movie about dresses that came out with no <laughs> promotion, and it got like six noms. He made an incomprehensible film with Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> that still got nominated for screen like for screenplay. Right. Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't get that book. I didn't get that movie. I still liked it. I still watched it. Paul Thomas Anderson, he's the man. What about Cyrano coming out on Christmas Day, Michael? <laughs> it was better as uh, the half of it, but no, I mean, another huge <laughs> musical, another huge musical, Cyrano de Bergerac, which is a, a hell of a story. It's a fun story. Peter Dinklage, Haley Bennett, Ben Mendelsohn, Brian Tyree Henry, Kelvin Harrison Jr., Joe Wright is trying to get off the supposed schneid 
for the woman in the window that we haven't seen yet and we're already expecting to be terrible? That's going to be a car crash like no other, and I can't wait. Is it, though? Can, yes. Can we, can we hope? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. But Cyrano, he'll get back on. He very, very well might. It's going to be... Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Wright's a good storyteller. Joe Wright is the man. He made one great movie after the next. And maybe the woman in the window will be fine, but that's that's chapter and verse as to why... Even if a great cast with a great storyteller and a great subject matter synopsis is out there, you got to watch the movie before you proclaim it to definitely be an Oscars contender. All right. Well, 3,000 Years of Longing, we've already previewed it. I'm going to talk more about it, I think, in the next episode. George Miller, Mad Max Fury Road, Idris Elba, and Tilda Swinton are immortals. We don't know if it's coming out Does this year. Does that have year, anything to do gonna... with the movie, or is that just their... Because, I mean, Tilda Could Swinton's not. immortal. She's probably not of this world. Ildris Elba, Elba is still mm-hmm. in great shape, right. too. Exactly. Puts us to shame. But George Miller, every time a line of dialogue was spoken in Mad Max, I think I still cringe. Which <laughs> <laughs> awful. So you're telling me, oh, my God. Two bored people in love for 3,000 years? I'm, I'm worried. Isn't that just Hancock? That movie Hancock with the... A... It's that movie Hancock. Yeah. yeah, as I always say, George Miller don't remake Hancock. Presents Hancock. Uh, All we've, right. we've talked about the A24 slate to death. We have Lionsgate. We're only one offering right now on Lionsgate, which is Mothering Sunday. Uh, Olivia Coleman, Odessa Young, and Josh O'Connor attached to that one. Mike, between Lionsgate, A24, what are you most excited for? The Green Knight. Yeah, I just got to see it. Did you see the? Did you watch trailer two? Yeah, I mean it's, it's it looks bat pretty. shit. There are giants walking around. It looks pretty. He's yeah. turning into the Green Knight. It's absurd. It looks it looks pretty. It, it's cool it was looking. Six to one best picture. I don't. Yeah, Odds. I don't get that. <laughs> I still having watched the second trailer. I don't get that. <laughs> somebody was trying to get somebody to bet on it, or I don't. They were afraid people would bet on it. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. We, we've gone over Zola, Red, White, and Water, After Yang, Come On, Come On, Joaquin Phoenix on a Road Trip. Who doesn't want Joaquin Phoenix on a Road Trip? Uh, Joanna Hoggett's got two, The Souvenir Part Two, and The Eternal Daughter, which she shot in quarantine. Red Rocket is getting buzz. This is a Florida Project director, Mike. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. A24, any of these could pop. Mm-hmm. Really could. Which um. I shouldn't say after a porn movie they have, uh, they have that deal with uh, with apple tv too which is gonna i mean the a24 is in good shape right now as a studio yes neon uh but, but, but all right Lionsgate's done some cool things and a24 always does some cool things uh we're, we're uh, you know we're bullish on both those studios i would say another studio we're bullish on but they typically go the acquisition route i would say is neon yeah and they do incredibly well when they do that right flea is a documentary that probably gets nominated in animated feature and documentary that's going to be an interesting double mm. sundance doc uh but yeah i mean it's it's t- top 10 clayton davis right now again you know another shocking film that's there at a year as loaded as this one i mean i liked the, it was one of the eight films i liked at sundance so it's it's very good otherwise listen to these three we have the uncle boone me director of course <laughs> Uh, I can't, his name is a masterpiece. <laughs> I just can't even say it. I, I'll learn it. I swear to God. Tilda Swinton, Memoria. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pig, listen to this premise, neon premise. <laughs> 
Nicholas Cage is an Oregonian truffle <laughs> hunter searching for his lost prized foraging titular pig. That's my premise, but the, it's still the premise. The truffle hunters and Gunda <laughs> really set the world on fire this year. Nicholas Cage just click, pl- had to jump on that. You would click play on pig right now. <laughs> I would, you would, we both would. I guess. Then, that that premise does nothing. Like, I don't think there's a premise that Nicolas Cage could do right now where I'd be like, oh, I didn't see that coming. It's like, yeah, sure, Nicolas Cage is an Oregonian truffle hunter. Yeah, I get What it. if he does not dye his beard? Is he ready for Oscars again if he doesn't dye his beard jet black? I'm trying to find these truffles. <laughs> All right, Spencer, Kristen Stewart this one is I'm Princess Diana. Yeah, I'm very interested in this one. Uh, it's, you are. It's the same same director that did Jackie. Sally Hawkins also has a role. I we we had. I believe did we have a first look of Kristen Stewart? Was there a still from that, or am I misremembering something? Yes. No, we do. Okay, I thought uh, so. Pablo Lorraine, like I said, it's, Sally Hawkins as well. It's. I'm worried. I'll it talk seems. About it yeah, but it seems like yeah. that type of look. This we know this one's going to be Oscars good. So here's the first still, right? Like mm-hmm. they think they have something here. I would think whether or not they wow. do is up for debate. You and I read this one entirely. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> All right, Mass. I think I've reviewed it on the show before. You have. Again, one of, like the, my number one film at Sundance. Awesome. And Dow, Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton, Reed Bernie. If you told me they all four were nominated, I wouldn't be surprised. They're yeah, that you're good not alone in the movie. In that. A lot of people love Mass coming out of Sundance. Fran Kranz. Fran Kranz. A cruel name. Uh, he's the director, writer, director. Uh, I don't want to go over the premise again. It's very sad, but. Very good movie. I, again, I wonder if move, they eschew movies like this because they're too sad. Could be. After a sad year, maybe we're just going Dune and four musicals. Yeah. Fascinating you know? to see what the Academy's thinking, especially after the uh, they shake things up because of the ratings disaster and because of the show disaster that this year was. A lot of stuff up in the air right now. IFC real quick, The Courier, Funny Face, Undine, movies we've talked about mm-hmm. before. Eric Weber wanted Funny Face. They also got some. got three cool movies here. I love IFC. They're always just, great. I really, I just love them as a studio. I always seek out their films. Demonic Neil Blomkamp's next movie. I don't know a thing more about it, but I'm interested. The Beta Test is a horror thriller from Jim Cummings, who just did The Wolf of Snow Hollow. He hasn't made a bad movie yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, a married Hollywood agent receives a mysterious letter. That's the beginning of the premise. So just leave it there. <laughs> the Nowhere In. The Nowhere Inn is a mockumentary written by and starring Annie Clark of Schitt's Creek and Carrie Brownstein of Portlandia. That sounds like it's straight out of, uh, <laughs> what's that guy? God damn it. Now we are doing your parents. Um, right. <laughs> best in show. Why can't I think of his name? Christopher Guest. Thank you. Christopher right, at least, Guest. At least I follow through. And do it. <laughs> <laughs> but she's perfect for him. She should be in all the mockumentaries. Yes. Agree. Both of them. Should. Agree. That could be brilliant. Um, we got a bunch of movies without a distributor, Mike. The Way of the Wind is Terrence Malick's next one. I'm sure that'll get good around hour three. Shot in Iceland. And in hour three, we're going to be introduced to characters. <laughs> Geza Roig playing Jesus Christ. Mark Rylance as Satan, of course. Yeah, actually. And Matthias Schonartz as St. Peter. Right. Plus Ben, ben Kingsley. We've all seen this one before, yeah. <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal did a movie, The Lost Daughter. Olivia Coleman's in a couple movies this year. Which she was in the uh, Lionsgate film. Mm-hmm. Dakota Johnson, Peter Sarsgaard, Ed Harris. We got Carmen, another musical being adapted. We got 
Penelope Cruz in another movie, Official Competition. One for the Road was good on, on at Sundance. Shake Your Cares Away, Presidents, both the leads from The Artist are in their own films. Triangle of Sadness, Limbo. I'm, la- I'm ending with Limbo. And this was, is all supposed to fit into seven months. <laughs> this was all supposed to fit into one episode. We're idiots. We're idiots. This must. This runtime must be three hours. It's close. It's about half that. But oh uh, God. that is your year in preview as far as things we wanted to put on your radar. Things we know we're going to be talking about in one way, shape, or form. Look, some of these are going to pop up. They're going to be Oscars contenders. Some of them are going to be should be Oscar contenders. And others are going to be expected Oscars contenders that flop, that go the way of the goldfinch. We're going to be on top of all of it. And uh, yes, I just took an unwarranted shot at the Goldfinch for no reason there. We will We're... obviously be here to let you know what's high, mm-hmm. what's what's going to fly, what's going to fall. And I can't wait, Mike. It seems like movies are back in a big way this year. We're going to maybe make some very, uh, they say the darndest things, predictions about some potential flops in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we're giving our uh, we're gonna give our one hundred percent accurate picks coming up. We're going to give our one hundred percent accurate flops coming up. <laughs> we have a big, big year in preview uh, series here planned. This was part one, Mike. I mm-hmm. guess we can get to this real quick. How about some words of wisdom to end on here? How about we all get vaccinated and go back to the movie theaters? That would be and lovely. We'll see for ourselves. <laughs> and we, even if the movie might be a flop, let's get pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. And we'll obviously we're going to talk about movies in the next episode that we're worried about, but we're also going to make a case for why they could be great as well. And we're going to disagree with each other. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. I can't wait for this year. I mean, the excitement I have going into this year. <laughs> Versus the excitement that I had going into 2020 when the world seemed like it was ending. Two very different levels. But uh, yes, as always, we do want to hear from you, dear listener. What do you think of this slate? What sticks out to you? Leave us all of those as well as any other comments, questions, or concerns on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, keep on listening because we have more year in preview stuff coming, award shows, guests etc as well as the other mike mike and oscar quote-unquote off-season fair which is going to be the shortest awards off-season in the history of this podcast seeing it's as it's one already mini series. <laughs> it's yeah, it's one mini series it's called two mike two furious we can't wait so it's coming be on the lookout leave us a five-star review michael when yeah. reality sucks we have this entire slate to listen to, watch, Thank sort God. through, and figure out. You could do so with us, dear listener. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.